0: Uh, let, me, let me see. Uh, get some stuff here. Um, guitar. I, gotta, oh, I never can go too far without a guitar. I'm not gonna play it, but I'm just gonna have it here. Let's see what else we have. Yeah, I know. Don't worry. My my neighbors will be getting their getting their taste of guitar later. Um, measuring tape. Let's see what else. iPad. Ooh. Remote for one of my various devices. Keys. I don't typically carry all this stuff when I preach. And a (laughs) screwdriver, I think that about does it. All these things, guitar, all these things, they all have something in common. And I want you to think about it. I want you to just think about it uh, as we kind of get in to the text today. Um, We've been going through um, the Ten Commandments and... And just, uh, I've been blown away week after week, and I think you guys have been blown away as well, uh, of just how such a simple set of instructions, 10 instructions that God give his, gives His people, how they can seem to have so much life and so much power. You know, I, when we, we started this journey off, and I kind of laid out even for myself that it's, it's really easy to make life complex, And to think that, man, 10 10 ancient sets of instructions from God, surely they cannot speak to life in the 21st century. And every week I come in to the text or I I hear somebody preach and I just get rocked again. It's going to be the same, I think. It was the same for me this week. Uh, And so uh, I want to to start um, just jumping into this text and we're going to see where it takes us. Um, So Exodus 20, uh, verse 14. Do not commit adultery. Uh, That is the commandment. It is really simple. It's elemental. Um, God gives these to a man named Moses. Moses communicates this to the people of God. They are at Mount Sinai. They've been set free, released from oppression in Egypt. They've been wandering around the desert for a little bit of time. And God has this promise for these people that look, someday you're gonna be the salt of the world. You're gonna be the light of the world. God says, you're going to be the the, the way that people come to know me, through my people. But the reality is they've been slaves in Egypt for generations. And I don't know if you know anything just about psychology, but, but when you exist in a perpetual state of something, generation after generation, your mindset can get a little bit, you know, skewed. And God says, listen, you've been slaves for generations. You're gonna be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. We better get some instructions going. We better kind of lay some groundwork for what I expect out of my people. And so he takes them to Mount Sinai and he gives them these 10 instructions, 10 ways of being in the world that is meant to start saying, listen, people are gonna start looking at you and wanting to know what God looks like. So here are some principles to live your life by. And we've been going through them. Last week, we looked at like, listen, don't, don't murder. And, and kind of how Jesus takes that and, command and expands it. Today, it's do not commit adultery. And, and we're, dealing with, uh, we're dealing with human relationships at this point in the commandments. And so just looking at what the commandment would do, do not commit adultery. You got a group of people in a community And we're just unpacking the context of what it would be like. Listen, I hope I don't have to do a whole lot of selling anybody here on the devastation that adultery can do to a community. God is trying to create a community of people and a community is based at some point on trust. And one of the most basic building blocks of a community is a family. And adultery puts at great risk Fabric of the family, so God says. Listen, this has to be a community that's going to work together. We there has to be trust. There has to be a foundational kind of holistic uh, nature to this community. So don't commit adultery, because listen, just like in the ancient world, we know now, adultery leaves casualties, and it's hard to come back from it. You can, but I hope I don't have to do a whole lot of selling on that. That seems to be just basic human instinct. And God says, listen, to be a community, you gotta have trust. So don't break down the trust. Honor the commitments that you make. And uh, also, just so you know, the context of what this might've looked like, um, there's really sort of an understanding in the Hebrew world. It's a little bit of a patriarchal culture, man-dominated culture. So how do I put this? It is easier... um, It's a little bit easier to be a man and navigate the world of adultery than it is a woman in the Old Testament, I'm just saying. So women were a little bit more at risk to experience punishment. Um, Just to be honest, guys can kind of wiggle their way around uh, adultery in the Old Testament, but rabbi after rabbi and, and in the text of the Bible over and over again, they say, listen, honor the marriage covenant. Don't commit adultery, don't commit adultery. That's how important it is. We're gonna shift into the New Testament because as we talked about last week, Jesus takes some of the commandments that were given in Exodus and he reorders them and he expands some of them and he takes them to uh, levels of of humanity that are challenging. And so uh, we had that slide up earlier. Let's go ahead and put it up again. So Jesus takes the 10 instructions and he essentially starts with don't kill, which we looked at last week. If you remember, I would say, if you paraphrase Jesus' attitude on this commandment, it's like, listen, not murdering somebody is a lot more than just taking their physical life from them. In Jesus' world, to be human is to matter. And Jesus says, listen, uh, life is a lot more than breathing. Living is about hearing, having, having uh, the ability to be heard, having the ability to matter, to have significance, And so Jesus says, listen, you can't have contempt for anybody. In the kingdom of God, everybody, every voice, every perspective matters because everybody gets to live. And then we're going to look at adultery today. He actually goes to don't use the Lord's name in vain, which is actually earlier in the commandments. And then he adds no retaliation and love your enemy. So we're going to dive right into his text. He starts in five, verse 27, and he just starts with the commandment. You have heard that it was said, don't commit adultery. Then this phrase that he uh, just loves to uncork when he wants to challenge people, he says, but I say to you that every man who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery in his heart. So Jesus does three things in this passage. The first thing he does is he takes the commandment way beyond ethics. What do I mean by that? Ethics are physical actions, how you behave. And Jesus says, listen, okay, adultery is not just about the physical act. It's not just about what you do, who you cuddle, who you touch, what you do. He says, no, no, no. Actually, there's something in your heart That's at stake. Because he says, listen, if you look at a woman with desire and she's married, you have broken the commandment. He goes way beyond behavior to the things that you cannot see. I can get up here and talk and I can say all manner of things, but you guys really have no idea what's going on in my heart. And Jesus says, that's where it matters. Second thing he does here is, Notice what he does there? He puts the burden on the person who has the desire. Now, again, like in Jesus's culture, it was a little bit easier as a man to wiggle out of this charge. And in fact, if you were to go back to Jesus's time uh, and you looked at at, um, women, they would look a little bit like what the Middle East looks like now. Some uh, Hebrew Jewish women, they would wear the veil. Why? Because men would sort of say, listen, ladies, it's a little bit better if we don't see a whole lot because you're pretty. So if we see less of you, we'll be okay." And Jesus says, listen, uh, guys or anybody, the burden for lust is not on the person you're desiring. It's on you. So right there, Jesus kind of starts to kind of like, people be like, huh? Because if Jesus just said, listen, don't commit adultery, that's no different. Everybody's like, oh yeah, we know that one. Jesus now starts to kind of say, listen, it's your problem. Then he goes on. And these texts are always very challenging to me. If your right eye causes you to fall into sin, He says, tear it out and throw it away. It's better that you lose a part of your body than that your whole body be thrown into hell. The word there is Gehenna, which is a place. It's a place right outside of Jerusalem. It's a valley and it's a trash dump by the time of Jesus' time. And there's fires always burning, just a perpetual flame going on in this trash dump. It's a place where hundreds and thousands of years ago uh, around Jerusalem, they practiced child sacrifice there. So it was a place where everybody was like, oh man, not good stuff happens there. And then it just became a trash dump and there was always just a fire going. And so when he says that, they're like, oh yeah. Jesus is like, this is what it looks like. So people are like, oh man, I get that. And then he says, listen, if your right hand causes you to fall into sin, chop it off and throw it away. It's better that you lose a part of your body than that your whole body go into hell. And listen, I'm left-handed. So I could be like, all right. But most people aren't left-handed, are they? They're right-handed. So Jesus says, listen, that hand, that's the dominant hand. That's the hand that you grasp things with. That's the hand that you use day in, day out. And he says, that's the thing. That's the thing that you get rid of. So he would tell me, Eric, lose the left one. Better to, better to go through life without a left hand than, than to be thrown into Gehenna. So, what he does here listen when he says Let, better that you do this than to be thrown into hell you know what he does here he does a third thing and that is he elevates lust to a capital sin he ain't playing he says you want to talk about the things that can actually get you kind of kind of in danger with god it's lust It's not just a physical act of adultery, it is looking at somebody with lust and desire. And he says, it's a capital one. It's a capital one. And so what we're gonna do is actually explore for the rest of our time, why? Why it's so powerful? Why it's so dangerous? Okay, and I wanna start back with here. All right, iPad, screwdriver, tape measure, remote control, uh, keys, guitar. What do they have in common? They're tools. They're tools. And you know what a tool is? A tool gets used. A tool gets used for whatever I want that tool to be used for. Got something? He's tightening. needs loosening. Screwdriver. I need a I need a, a component turned on. I want to play guitar. The tool gets used. Whenever I want. The tool has no say. Listen, uh, Eric. I don't feel like turning your devices on. I feel like sometimes this happens, but they're like, I don't feel like it today. I don't feel like measuring anything. I don't feel like being accurate today. No, the tool just has, look, I want this. So do it. The tool doesn't get to say no. And Jesus says, listen, Jesus says, human beings are not tools. They're not tools. There's this, we saw this, um, watched this movie a few weeks ago called The Free State of Jones. And uh, great, interesting story about, it's based on a true story. It takes place in Mississippi in the Civil War. This uh, deserter from the Confederate Army comes home and he, uh, and, and just things are out of whack in Mississippi. Uh, I think they always are, but, um, <laughs> but because he's a deserter, listen, because he's a deserter, He goes and runs away. He flees into the swamp and he finds a bunch of runaway slaves. And he actually raises up a rebel army against the Confederacy in Mississippi. And so he meets these uh, runaway slaves and he starts with them. And then some more deserters from the Confederate army come and join him. But because it's Mississippi in the 1860s, there's a lot of racial tension and and a slur gets used against one of the slaves. And Matthew McConaughey's character He looks at the the slave and his name is uh, uh, Mr. Moses. And he says, Mr. Moses, are you the racial slur? And he says, and Moses says, no, no, sir, I'm not. And he says, why are you not? He says, because I am a child of God. And Matthew Matthew McConaughey says, that's right. and He says, you cannot own a child of God. And when he says that, First of all, he stands on firm biblical ground. We spent the summer studying the book of John, 1 John. 1 John 3, see what kind of love the Father has given to us in that we should be called what? God's children. We are a child of God and you cannot own a child of God. And to that, I would own, I would add, you cannot treat a child of God as a tool. You cannot own a child of God. And no child of God is meant to be a tool that cannot say no. You can't treat human beings that way. Jesus says, everybody matters. That's why you can't take a life. Life is more than just living and breathing. And then he says, listen, furthermore, you can't use people to get what you want. And that's what lust does. It says, I want something from you give it to me. So this is the way I would I would put it. Uh, this is a statement. Too long to write down in your notes, but it'll be somewhere on social media. Sin in this area, sin is not just a matter of what we do. It's way beyond ethics. It's way beyond what we do or not do. It's also the attitudes that result from our actions, objectification, and a state and a perspective that we were born into. We are born into. And in this case, this sin can keep us from seeing other human beings as people with opinions and thoughts and hurts and value. They're not instruments for our gratification. They're not. Human beings are not tools. So, um, we're, we're working on an art piece, uh, developing it each week over there. So um, this week, uh, what's going to go on that is, listen, the commandment is don't use people. And that's what lust does is it uses people. Don't do it. You just can't because that's not what a human being's for. We've also been developing a creed, which at this point is like a small book. So we're only going to read the creedal statement of this week. So let's just read this together right now. We will not objectify others. Human beings are not created to be implements for our own gratification. Then why is this so hard? Why is it so hard? Because it is. So I wanna kind of just address this Uh, and I wanna do it by just starting this way is uh, uh, one of my favorite authors, Nick Hornby, a uh, fiction writer. book called uh, High Fidelity has turned into a, in the, a movie in the late 90s. John Cusack, record store owner. And he's, Hornby's a great writer. But uh, I, was, I was reading this book actually just this week. And, and Hornby talks about like what it's like when we're younger and kind of how how this thing starts, how this connection with other people starts, with other people, uh, and then how it gets a little bit sideways. And I'm just going to read some of this. So he's talking about when you're 12 or 13, right? He's writing from a guy's perspective. And he says, listen, um, one moment, girls, one moment they weren't there. Not in any form that interested us anyway. And the next you couldn't miss them. They were everywhere, all over the place. One moment you wanted to bonk them on the head for being your sister or someone else's sister, and the next you wanted to, actually, we didn't know what we wanted next, but it was something, something. Almost overnight, all these sisters had become interesting and disturbing even. And then he goes on and he just talks about kind of being 12 or 13 and his first kiss. And he actually talks about like, it was pretty innocent. He didn't know really what you were doing, but you knew you were supposed to do something. And so, you know, the, you, and, but then he says, listen, shortly after that, he realized that a kiss was supposed to lead to something. And then he said, listen, I learned then that when, when a kiss started, I wanted something else. I wanted this to go somewhere. And I want to say this, this listen, we are designed for connection. Our bodies, we are designed for union. This isn't about sex being bad. This is about we, we, we take something and then life just kind of skews it a little bit. And human beings are not meant to be tools. So as we get older, like we learn that, man, I really want this thing. And then I get tempted to say, listen, I want this and I need to do what I can to get it. And then if things get a little bit, as we grow up, we, we enter a culture and, uh, where it's even more difficult. Because listen, I hope again, I'm not kind of like, hope this isn't like a big uh, spoiler alert, that our world and our culture does not help us out in this area. You know, uh, just some staff guys, staff folks put some, some studies in front of me this week. You know, that what's considered like acceptable and what we would call soft core porn, Is hardcore porn forty years ago? That there are we are we are in in a society and in a culture that is drenched in images of men and women. And let me tell you something, guys. When you start talking about lust, it is not a healthy place to grow up. It's not. There's fascinating and disturbing studies about the human brain in relationship. To images. Soft core porn, soft porn uh, not even talking about the extreme stuff. And so uh, basically what we can do now is we can look inside the human brain and we can watch the human brain become active at, at certain times, at certain images. And so there's a part of the brain where when I look at somebody I know, when I look at somebody, I see like a little part of my brain that says, i recognizing a human being. I recognize Darren, part of my brain fires off. I recognize Heidi, part of my brain, oh yes, that's a human being. Avis, a part of it, a human being. They did this study and they, 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 they worked with people who have been exposed to images and not a ton of images and not extreme images. And you know what stops happening? The part of our brain that recognizes a face as a human being stops firing. And so now all I see is a body. I see a body. I see a body, I see a tool. I no longer can empathize. I no longer can hear a hurt. I no longer can hear, I know, I no longer can hear. I'm not sure, I just see a body that I want to accomplish something with. This is the world we live in. Jesus saying, this is what's at stake. This is why it's a capital offense. This is what can happen to you. This is how you stop being human. When you stop recognizing other human beings as humans and they just become a tool that cannot say no to you. That's what's at stake. I want to talk, uh, just kind of, I want to talk to two groups of people right now. And there might be some overlap here. So uh, the first group of people I want to talk to is a person, some of us, maybe all of us in some form or fashion, would say, listen, you got me. There's a lot of ways to use another human being. Let's just say that. But in this context, I'm talking about, I'm talking about lust. I'm talking about sexual gratification. I'm talking to people right now where you'd say, listen, I grew up in a culture that just, yeah, I didn't want it to happen, but at some level, I'm, I'm stuck. There's a wide latitude here. I get it, right? Here's the first thing I would say to you. If this is you, listen to Jesus' words again. If your right eye causes you to sin, if your right hand causes you to sin, get rid of it. And Jesus ain't talking about literally mutilating yourself. He's talking about what are you willing to surrender so that this won't take hold in your life? What are you willing to give up? It breaks my heart. It breaks my heart and it makes me mad when I sit down with people and they say, I'm suffering with this. I can't get out. I can't get out. I can't stop. And I say, well, what's your problem? Well, my problem is I'm online on my computer way too late at night. I say, give me your computer. Well, I won't do that. That's crazy talk. What are you willing to give up? Are you willing to just cap your internet at 10.30? Say nothing good happens after 10.30, so I'm out, done. What will it take? What are you willing to put on the table to say, Jesus, I don't want this in my life. You can get help out of that. Maybe it's just, I don't want to talk to anybody about it. How's that working out for you? because understand what Jesus says the stakes are at. And I want to talk to sort of a subcategory of you you guys right now. One of my favorite challenging scriptures in the New Testament, written uh, from a guy named Paul to a church in Corinth, and in chapter four of of his letter to, to the Corinthian church, he writes this. Paul says, listen, I'm not aware of anything against me. But Paul says, that doesn't make me innocent. So, Let me just put this out there. It's perfectly possible that you're sitting out there going, well, I'm just dabbling. It's not serious, Eric. I'm not on that track. You know why I love faith? Because faith pushes me. So I can say the same way I said, Paul, well, I I don't feel like I'm being dinged on this, but that doesn't make me innocent. And Jesus says here, do not treat people as an object. So I go, okay, Jesus. It's not a matter of what I feel. It's a matter of saying, you say something different. It's the Lord who judges me, not myself. So get help. And don't think that you're an evil human being or a bad person. You're human. And you can grow beyond this. And there's redemption and there's freedom. I want to talk to a second group of people I want to talk to the group of people in this room that you would say, listen, yeah, I have been used. I have been a tool. I didn't get to say no. I've been hurt. And there's such tremendous pain and anger and sorrow in my life. And I want to let you guys know, I had some ladies in leadership of this community sensitively ask a group of women in the community, do you have any experience in this? And we, and we, we basically said, listen, like, let's just kind of like see what's out there in terms of the latitude of stuff. Here's what I'll say. If you think that that problem is for other churches, or other groups of people, you're wrong. Because there are people in this room right now that have been profoundly injured and wounded and have survived trauma and assault. They're in your growth groups. They're serving in this community. It's not an out there problem. It's an us problem. So here's what I want to say to you, if you have been in a position. I want you to know first how very sorry I am. That's not what God wants. It's not what God wants for you. And I'm so, so very sorry for the hurt and the pain that you've experienced. No human being, no human being should be treated like an object, ever. The second thing I want to say is this. Uh, First of all, last week throughout this scripture, 1 Corinthians 12, Paul again, if one part of the body suffers, what? If one part of the body suffers, we all suffer. What I want to say to you also, in this community, you will be believed. You will be heard. You will be listened to. I've spent days this week talking to people and they say, listen, one of the worst things that that people have to go through, that women have to go through is when they bear their soul about how they've been used and objectified and treated as a tool and they're treated with skepticism, denial and that one of the most powerful things a gift you can give a survivor is just to say we believe you and in this community we will listen and we will believe you because when one part of the body suffers we all suffer